Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the What If Project podcast. Uh, my name is Glenn, and this is episode number 34, and it's part three of our series that we're doing for Lent called God's Not Mad. And if this is your kind of first time dropping into the podcast, uh, first time dropping into this series, uh, the God's Not Mad series is... Ah, where do I start with it? So I read a book uh, a few months ago called uh, Sinners in the Hands of a Loving God by a guy named Brian Zond, and uh, the book really struck me. It just put a lot of words and ideas onto things I had been thinking, but didn't really quite have the words or maybe even courage uh, to describe. And so he was very helpful in giving me a uh, framework with which to understand um, a few uh, bigger pieces of theology that I had been taught all throughout my life. And so anyway, it's all about God's love and God's grace, things like that. And so what I'm doing in this series is every week just taking a different idea from the book and then just expounding on it with my own spider web of ideas that kind of comes to my mind um, when I think about that idea from the book. And so this is week three, and next week, very special week, uh, we're actually going to be hearing from Brian Zond himself. Um, I sat down with him a few weeks ago, and we recorded a podcast episode. And basically, uh, it's a lot of him talking, not much me. Uh, I really questioned, asked him some questions um, on some points that I knew he was very passionate about, and so he expounded greatly on things like the cross and the atonement and the topic of hell, and a whole bunch of other things. So uh, get back here next Monday uh, for that, because that is going to be um, a wild ride. I'm sitting at my desk right now. I'm getting over the flu still. Um, I'm not contagious anymore. I haven't been contagious for uh, probably five days or so, but uh, it was a rough go for a little while. I was uh, quarantined to the other room in the house, away from everybody else, and uh, knock on wood, thankfully, no one else has gotten it. So that's a good thing. I still have some symptoms lingering. My nose is still stuffy. My throat still is a little scratchy. Uh, my head uh, still hurts. My body is still a little achy sometimes. But um, back to work this week, or last week, I should say, when you're listening to this. Uh, sitting here at my desk, I've got a nice, beautiful cup of coffee uh, no one is awake yet in the house. I have to wake up Jordan in a little while. Uh, my dissertation is printed out and in front of me, all 170 pages. Uh, now I'm going up this. You're listening to this on Monday. So next Monday, uh, I will be going up to Nyack, New York uh, to get ready to defend my dissertation on Tuesday, April 2nd. So uh, I am preparing my presentation, kind of getting everything ready ironed out? How do I uh, take 170 pages and jam it down to 20 minutes and explain it in a way that makes sense? And then I got 30 minutes of answering their questions, and then they send me out of the room, then they bring me back, and they give me their uh, verdict. So uh, wild stuff these next couple weeks. Very busy. A lot of stuff going on. Jordan's birthday is coming up. We're having a little uh, party here for her. Uh, that's going to be like two days before I leave for my dissertation defense, there's just a lot of stuff uh, going on, but it is all so, so, so 
good. Uh, another thing I want to kind of let you know about, and if you haven't heard about it yet, uh, Patreon. Patreon.com slash whatifproject. Uh, Patreon is a place where you can go and support uh, creators such as myself who are trying to create something in the world. Um, there are different tiers or levels with which you can give financially. And the lowest tier is $3 a month. Highest tier is $30 a month. And you can go anywhere in between or anywhere above or below. If you want to give a dollar a month, you can do that um, as well. Uh, but whatever money you are able to give or want to give or whatever, uh, that money goes into a uh, cyber bucket of sorts where uh, the money will be used to pay for the hosting fees uh, for the website, for the podcast, and uh, for things like that. And then eventually to buy me a new mic uh, that maybe doesn't move quite as much as this one does. So patreon.com slash whatifproject, whatever you're able to give, so appreciative. There are seven patrons there right now. Um, I am super thankful for them that they have chosen to uh, opt into that and give a little bit of their income. Uh, I know that money is hard to come by these days. And so uh, the money that you give uh, to support this really, really, really uh, means a lot to me. So uh, they are some of the most encouraging people in my life, they reach out to me through text message, Facebook message, um, almost weekly to encourage me and tell me uh, to keep going and uh, to thank me for this project. So they are a great and uh, wonderful group of people. But all of that to say, let's jump into this thing. Uh, this is episode number 34 of the podcast, and uh, I am calling it Jesus Didn't Die to save you from God's wrath against your sin. Jesus didn't die to save you from God's wrath. So um, I've mentioned this in a few different episodes, but again, in case this is your first one, let me kind of catch you up to speed on a few things. Uh, from the 4th through the 12th grades, um, I went to a Christian school. And then after that, I went to college. At, a, I would say, a fairly you know, conservative Bible college. And then I went to seminary for three years to get my uh, master's degree. And then I went to pastor an old, very, very, very <laughs> theologically uh, conservative Dutch Reformed church and took more seminary classes at a different seminary. And then my wife and I planted a church in our garage, at which time I you know, threw myself into all things, church planting, leadership, church growth. Like I was the, I wanted to be the guru in all of those things. You know, I read, I made connections, I asked questions, I tried new things, I preached sermons, I shared vision. And after that didn't go, you know, quite as we planned, uh, we st I started up a blog called Morning Encouragement, where I posted 500 blog posts uh, for 500 days in a row, uh, took a week off, wrote an ebook that was about, I think, 50 pages, and then I posted for another 200-ish days in a row, and uh, also had a podcast to go along with that. I think I got up to like 70 episodes. And then right around, you know, post number 600, I went back to school for three years. Um, at the same seminary that I got my master's degree from uh, to get my doctorate degree. And I don't have it yet. I'm, like I said, going up to defend it 
in, in a week or so. But in between all of that, you know, I went to Sunday school as a kid. Um, I did a few church internships in college, read an absurd amount of books, uh, both for school and on my own, because I'm nerdy like that. Uh, so why am I telling you all of this background? Because as someone who had uh, the Bible and theology ingrained into his head since the fourth grade, to be honest with you, I rode into my 20s uh, on my high horse of evangelicalism, and I could have easily been the poster child for all things uh, typical evangelical Western Christianity. Now, that phrase, evangelical Christianity, has a ton of baggage and really has a ton of meanings. And so let me explain to you really quick uh, what I mean by being the poster child for evangelical Christianity so that everybody who's listening to this is on the same page as to exactly how offensive I really am trying to be. Okay, so I really am trying to be offensive uh, in this moment, and I will explain more about that in a moment. So uh, traditionally, uh, evangelicals are, are followers of Jesus who are all about, um, you would say, evangelizing the lost, right? In other words, they're all about telling as many people as possible all about Jesus, who he is, what he was like, how he lived, etc. And if I'm being really honest, I think I might somehow, in some way, uh, maybe fit into that piece of evangelicalism today, to some minor extent, like some part of me, maybe like my elbow fits into that category. And I say that because I love Jesus, right? I like to talk about Jesus. I find Jesus compelling and fascinating. I think he shows us the face of God, and I think that he lived... Um, the way that is the best way possible. I think that, you know, God is what Jesus has to say, to borrow uh, a phrase from Brian Zahn's book. But, but here's where I think I would differ. Most evangelicals, at least in, in my and many, and many, many people I know's uh, experience, they go like way beyond talking about Jesus and kind of believe that their mission is to share Jesus with people so that those people will believe in him, uh, surrender to him, invite him into their lives, and say the sinner's prayer that will get their name written in the book of life. So that someday when they die, they'll go to heaven and spend eternity with, with God as opposed to hell where God is absent, maybe people are tortured, and eternity is, is pretty hot, right? Some believe that, that hell is, is literal fire, Others believe hell refers to a place where people go, uh, they're allowed to do whatever they want, and they end up creating their own hell, kind of very C.S. Lewis-ish. Uh, others believe it's a place where God is absent, you know, just a place of no hope. And we'll tackle some of the uh, the topics around hell um, in a couple of weeks. That'll be a, a fun episode. But for now, whatever the case may be, uh, however you want to describe it, you know, hell is a horrible place. And as I said in week one of this series, that's the kind of Christianity I really found myself latched onto when I left high school and I rode into and even through college. You know, I believed 1,000% in that very particular evangelical narrative that says Adam and Eve sinned, humanity inherited their sin, sin has to, to pay, right? So God sent Jesus to take 
uh, the punishment and die in my place so that if I believe in him, surrender to him, believe that he died on the cross for my sins, then, you know, God's not going to pour out his wrath on me when I die. I'll get to go to heaven instead of hell. And I believe that it's my job to get as many people as possible to believe that no matter what the cost and what the sacrifice. And man, I could have pointed to like 2,001 Bible verses to point, to prove my point. And I probably still could. I could probably still argue it if I really wanted to. Uh, But I had all but memorized, you know, my systematic theology book, which I still have on my shelf. Uh, I believe it beyond a shadow of a doubt that this was, this is the good news. God had in essence sentenced his son to a painful death on the cross so that his anger uh, against sin could be satisfied and I could be assured of eternal bliss if I would just accept Jesus into my heart and surrender my life to him. Now, uh, a few weeks ago, I wrote about how uh, the last 10 years or so have been a, a really slow process of what I would call deconstruction for me, where I've been taking where taking apart pretty much all of those beliefs piece by piece and asking a lot of questions. Like, did God really kill Jesus? Is God, like, really that angry? Is, is, God, is God even angry at all, right? Does God require a blood sacrifice in order to be appeased? And if he does, is he really loving or is he more like a monster? Uh, do people who don't believe in Jesus and don't surrender to him, do they go to hell? And is hell even real as we think about it today? At least in the sense of like fire and torture and people gnashing their teeth. Like, is getting to heaven all there is? Is that the goal? Is that the good news? And if it is, is that really good at all? Because it honestly sounds pretty terrible to me to be celebrating in heaven, all the while knowing that there's another place called hell where the majority of the human population is being tortured for all of eternity. That doesn't sound very good to me. Now, slowly but surely, I've been asking those questions for the last 10 years. I have been quietly exploring possible answers and have recently begun to be more uh, vocal in reconstructing the things that I've deconstructed so that those, those pieces that I've taken apart can kind of be rebuilt into something drastically different, more beautiful, and I think at least uh, much closer to the heart of Jesus and much more beneficial as well, uh, I think, to the people around me in my life. And so today, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about the cross. We're almost halfway through uh, the season of Lent, and as we kind of inch our way towards Good Friday, uh, the day when the church looks back and remembers the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Uh, so we're almost there. But if the cross isn't about Jesus dying to satisfy God's anger against my sin, so that by believing in him and his sacrifice, I can go to heaven when I die instead of hell, well, then what was the purpose of the cross? And for what purpose do I wear one around my neck? And maybe you have one around your neck as well. Why do I have one on my desk, right? What is the purpose of this cross? Let me start. Um, by saying, I referenced this earlier, but I realized that this post is, um, this podcast is going to be what I would say offensive to a lot of my church friends. 
and in particular, my church friends from the last 30 years of my life. Um, So if that's you, and you're still listening to this, uh, thank you. And I realize that a lot of my my close friends hold closely to the idea, uh, these ideas that I mentioned, right? Friends, pastors, professors, family. I get it. But know that what I'm not trying to do is tell you that you're wrong or that you're not believing the right way, okay? I'm not trying to prove you wrong, nor am I hoping that you come to the end of this thing and you see things my way. I'm not on like an expedition to change the way people see this stuff, okay? I love you, okay? Now, I'm simply sharing a different perspective. And yes, I'll be honest. If you're from my old tribe of Western evangelical Christians, I am trying to offend you. Like, I want you to be offended. Why? Because being offended, I've learned, is how we grow. It's how we learn how to think differently and think deeper about what we believe and why we believe it. Uh, That's why Jesus, I think, uh, not only came to comfort the people who were afflicted, but I think he came to afflict the people who were comfortable in their lives, in their belief systems, in the way that they treated uh, the humanity around them. And so in the spirit of the What If Project, I'm wondering if there are other ways of understanding the cross of Jesus. I'm wondering if the typical Western evangelical explanation that I quickly uh, ran through earlier is the only understanding or even the best understanding. Like what if there's a different way to understand this very important event in human history? Uh, I think there is. And so what I want to do is I want to just take the rest of our time, which is, is going to be pretty quick, I just share with you where I'm at on my own journey of seeing the cross and understanding uh, Jesus' death. Uh, as we already said, the, the traditional thoughts is that God killed Jesus or sent him to die. It doesn't matter what you say. They're both the same, right? Because God was mad at human sin. Sin's got to be punished violently even. And so rather than inflict his wrath on the entire human race, God provided his son, Jesus, um, as the solution, right? He was the, the lamb that was slain for my sin. Uh, Jesus would take my punishment, your punishment, everybody else's punishment, so that if we would just believe in that good work that he did, surrender ourselves to his lordship, uh, we'll get to go to heaven when we die instead of hell, right? Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Why? Because to quote uh, Jesus in John's gospel, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Right There it is, black and white, one verse from Matthew, one from the book of John. This is why Jesus died. That's our mission. Make disciples, get them to believe so that they don't perish, they don't go to hell. That's it. But I'm wondering, like, what if that's not why Jesus died? What if that's not the mission? What if that's just one way to understand and think about those words from Jesus? Me, I don't think that God killed Jesus or sent Jesus to die because God was angry at human sin and needed a release valve for his anger. And I don't think that by believing in him or surrendering to him gets me a free ticket to heaven and an escape from hell when I die. Rather, here's what I think. I think that humanity killed God Because humanity was angry at the life of love and grace and forgiveness and inclusiveness that God came to bring when he put on Jesus' human skin. 
Jesus's way of life was a life uh, that ran directly up against the top-down power structures that were built by both the church and the Roman Empire at the time. And so the only option those in power had was to make Jesus go away. And so humanity acted on its worst possible evil, uh, committed the worst possible sin by killing God. But God, he didn't seek revenge. He didn't seek to provide himself freedom by killing his enemies, fighting back, shouting threats from the cross. He didn't become angry, wrathful, full of hate. Instead, he shouted forgiveness. All the while, he hung from the cross with blood literally dripping from his body. All the while, his accusers accused him, laughed at him, spit on him, and beat him. He practiced what he preached for all the years of his ministry, love, grace, and forgiveness for his enemies. And then he died, right? But three days later, in a shocking turn of events, he rose from the dead and began a process where heaven literally began to come to earth, right? He showed that in the end, it's not hate and violence that wins, that overcomes, but it's love, and forgiveness and grace. Love wins every single time. So yeah, Jesus did make a very important sacrifice on Good Friday. In his book, Brian Zahn has this great quote. I want to read it for you. He says, Jesus sacrificed his life to show us the love of the Father. Jesus sacrificed his life to shame the ways and the means of death. Jesus sacrificed his life to remain true to everything that he taught in the Sermon on the Mount about love for enemies. Jesus sacrificed his life to confirm a new covenant of love and mercy. Jesus sacrificed his life to death in order to be swallowed by death and destroy death from the inside. The crucifixion of Jesus was a sacrifice in many ways, but it was not a ritual sacrifice to appease a wrathful deity or to provide payment for an ultimate God subordinate to justice. Yes, Jesus made a very important sacrifice on the cross. I do not deny that. And yes, the call is to believe and surrender to Jesus. But not so that I can get to heaven when I die. Not at all but so that I can live a life that mirrors his life of love and mercy and grace and forgiveness right here, right now, and thus bring heaven to earth today. A process that you and I get to join in right here, right now. A process that he will finish and complete one day when he returns and makes all things new, as the prophets foretold. So yes, here's the thing. God did not kill Jesus because God is not a monster. But humanity did kill Jesus, because humanity did not have the room for the life of love and inclusion and forgiveness that he came to bring. In the face of the greatest injustice, God shouted forgiveness with his dying breath to his enemies, to those who never even asked for it. And then he rose from the dead three days later to show us once and for all that violence and revenge and anger and everything else doesn't win. Love wins. And now today, you and I are invited to join him in doing likewise. Go make disciples of all nations. Go and do to others what Jesus 
did. Much love to you, my friends, and uh, I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.